Bam. We're live. Uh, I was in a swimming pool just a few minutes ago, the public pool. Dude, it's freezing here. And, and usually the public yeah. pool is like empty and the public pool was like, there were people like, give me three minutes. Give me three minutes, Jorge. Oh my goodness. What are we doing? What are we doing tonight? Tonight, guys, we are doing a show. Oh, I hear an echo. Doing a show on, uh, doing a show on, doing a show on. <laughs> for the echo? No. We're doing a show on uh, Kenosha, Kyle Rittenhouse, just to kind of uh, uh, talk about, I can get up to speed on the news on what's going on there. Um, Jorge Ventura was on the ground there the night that that happened, that uh, um, they were burning that city down. I'm gonna, I don't even know where Kenosha is. Let's start. Let's start there before, so we don't look totally dumb when we talk to Kenosha, Wisconsin. Ah, yes. <laughs> and um, why don't I go to maps and see exactly where it is? Kenosha. Oh, it looks like it's on the water. It looks like it is on the Pacific Ocean. No, that's Lake Michigan. Okay, so it's south of Milwaukee and north of Chicago. It looks like it's uh one from uh one third of the way to Chicago from Milwaukee, headed south. So it's a pretty cold place, I guess. Um, we'll see if uh if Jorge's open to doing a call-in show today. Um, he he was talking to a guy named BG, who actually filmed the shootings live and he and and, and uh ventura was talking to him jorge was talking to him just uh at six o'clock tonight live on his instagram so that's cool i wonder if he was three minutes late to that <laughs> there he is jacqueline robinson i'm so excited to hear his take on the trial where kyle was rightfully acquitted uh bg on the scene yeah is that a joke bg on the scene that is who uh jorge was just on with hey guys what's up brother Jorge, how you doing sir good good man how are you guys doing awesome jorge you do you remember matt was he on any of the other shows he produces the show usually behind the scenes yeah no i wasn't yeah, on i remember it. matt right okay. nice to meet you, man. good evening jeffrey jorge are you are you okay if people um uh, were to call in tonight with some thoughts and opinions and questions we could answer. Oh, that, that'd be great, bro. Yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever. I'm I'm down for whatever. Okay, cool. Um, sorry, Matt. I didn't mean to do your job. Uh, <laughs> I just pushing buttons. Do you want tighter? <laughs> no, no. I'm just pushing buttons. Jorge, you were you were on the ground in Kenosha. Yes, sir. The night that um the riots were happening, and, and, and why why were people burning down the city? What what happened? It was for the um, police shooting of Jacob Blake, who um, had a he had a warrant for a felony sexual assault. He was violating his restraining order um, by going to his girlfriend's house and trying to drive away with, with her car. So she was w very worried. She called the police. Uh, when police arrived, Jacob Blake actually had a knife. Um, so he basically did have a weapon. And um, yeah, he was shot. And as, as kind of the normal thing where, you know, the mainstream media kind of gaslighted the audience to thinking this was about race, then that's what kind of led to the riots in Kenosha. A race because the police officer was Asian. Uh, white. Oh, darn, darn. 
Because the police officer was El Salvadorian. Even if even if he was Hispanic, they would have still found out a way to call him white, white Hispanic or something. Um, and so so he, he, the police went to a domestic violence call. They got there. It was a guy who had a restraining order against him. Who um, and did he? Did, is there is there footage of that of the police police body camera? I'm not that it even matters. People see the truth and they still they just. I guess people just see police as guilty right away. Yeah, so there was a video taken from the neighbor who was living right in front of Jacob Blake. So he's the one uh, that took the video and went on Twitter. Obviously, it, you know, went viral, started making the rounds. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of people forget that Jacob Blake had a, a felony sexual assault. He had a he had a, a warrant for that actually, and he was violating a restraining order. You could actually read it in the article. It's, it gets pretty graphic, but he. Uh, essentially penetrated his girlfriend uh, with his fingers. He, then he smells his fingers and then says, it seems like you've been with other men. And then he takes his car keys, attempts to drive away with the car, but that's when the police um, arrived. He had a, he had a knife and um, you know, the, 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 that's when the police shot him and they kind of created this whole controversy. I think I remember that. Was she a minor? Um, I don't remember reading that she was a minor. I believe she was um, over 18, but she did have a, a restraining order against Blake. He was not supposed to be at the residence. Hmm. Are we, are we live already? We are. We are live. Okay. Mm-hmm. And has that gone to, has that gone to trial yet? Um, I got to read. I, I believe it went to, um, I believe it went to trial and I think he like agreed to drop a charge and then to accept one. Um, I got to, I got to read it to get the fine details, but Jacob Blake uh, was shot. He was actually uh, paralyzed from the shooting. Um, for oh, folks he didn't die. There's many people that, that went on the mainstream media and said that he was dead, which is, uh, it's, it's not true. He's, he's still alive. And it was the cop um, charged with murder? Uh, no, no, he wasn't. So the people like of that town got pissed. Say, say that again, Matt. Sorry, it, it looks like there's like it looks like Jacob Blake has filed a civil suit against the uh, officer, but that's kind of the most recent thing I see as far as a trial going on it right now. And so that happened in Kenosha, and so the people got pissed. They ran out into the streets and started burning. How did you? And, and how did you end up there? You knew it was going to happen. Um, so I had a but um, for people who, who who probably know him now because of the the trial. But Drew Hernandez, which is a good friend of mine, um, Drew Hernandez actually was already in Chicago um, doing some business there. So when the Kenosha um, kind of the civil unrest started to happen, Drew took an Uber from Chicago to Kenosha, and he actually broke the story the first night. So I was back in D.C. looking at all the footage coming out from Drew Hernandez, and I couldn't believe it because. Um, what made Kenosha different was you saw a small town go into flames, you know, so that's a, it's a lot different from the Atlantas, Seattle, the Portland, these kind of major cities. You saw a small town. So as soon as I saw that, I um, I contacted my video director, which is Richie McGinnis. Richie McGinnis, for, for the audience, um, just, just to kind of remind them, Richie McGinnis was actually right behind Rosenbaum when Rosenbaum got shot, and Richie actually had to testify. Um, so I contacted my my supervisor. He said, hey, let's go to Kenosha. So I, I got there for, for night two. Of the ride, so I was able to cover night two. Even night three is uh, the night of the rent house shooting, which happened to be August twenty fifth, twenty twenty. Well, um, this is totally off subject. When you go there, do you, Matt? I just sent you a text of uh, Drew Hernandez's uh, Instagram in case we need to pull it up in case it gets mentioned again. Um, when you go there, where do you sleep? 
Um, at a you know we get a we get a hotel. Um, you, you do. Know, you know, um, so yeah, we, we, st- I forgot what was like, exactly. where, like 50 uh, miles out of town or like, no, no, we get the, we, uh, we get a hotel right in the middle of it. Um, so by the time I actually, when I checked in at, at the hotel for the second night, the, all the windows in my hotel were already boarded up and they were, they were basically full, basically getting ready for any potential civil unrest, which obviously happened on, on night two. Night two was really bad. I mean, I, I kind of keep describing it. it. It almost felt like the closest thing to a war zone because, no matter whether I turned left or right, it almost felt like every single building was on fire, whether it was a small business, even government buildings um, went into flames. There was a department of corrections that went into flames. And I remember looking at the when apartment you say department of corrections. You mean there was actual jail there? Yeah, there was like a local little department that wasn't really big. Um, I don't I actually don't think anyone was in it because of what happened on night one. But it went up to flames. And there's a there's a clip of me on Twitter um, where I'm kind of behind a large furniture store in flames, and I was kind of doing my stand-up of of talking about it. Um, but yeah, it was really hectic um, night two. So um, it was like I said, it was something like I've never seen before because Kenosha really had a different aspect because it was just such a small little town, and the law enforcement, from my from my perspective, they were only guarding the courthouse. And then after that, they kind of let the crowd do whatever the hell they wanted to the rest of the town. Yeah, that seems to be happening more and more and more. Police letting, uh, standing down. Let me just read this before we go any further. Kenosha is a city in and in and the county seat of Kenosha County, Wisconsin, United States. Kenosha is on the southwestern shore of Lake Michigan. As of 2020 census, the population was 99,986, which made it the fourth largest city in Wisconsin. Wow. And the fourth largest city on Lake Michigan, although closer to Milwaukee, about 40 miles in Chicago, about 66 miles. Kenosha is part of the United States Census Bureau, Chicago combined statistical area. Interesting. Okay. Uh, It doesn't look like there's anything really there. Kenosha is home to multiple educational institutions, including the University of Wisconsin Parkside. Okay, so it's a college town. Uh, I mean, I I, I – it doesn't. It doesn't feel like it when you're there. I mean, it does feel like kind of this small, uh, um, you know, American Midwest town, um, you know, in 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 Wisconsin. Maybe 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 I, I describe it a little bit as more smaller town, just because com- coming from California, right? Um, but it was definitely had like the small town Midwest type of vibes. I would describe it. It looks like their claim to fame is uh, Snap On is there, the famous tool company, and and that's like the only thing that's mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. So, so this, this, this place is, this place is going on fire. And uh, so what I did today is, um, uh, one of my friends who's extremely liberal, uh, and, and, and extremely liberal, I'll leave it at that, told me I should listen to the New York times daily, um, discussion about the, uh, the report on the Rittenhouse trial. So I listened to it and it was by, um, Julie Bosman, Julie Bosman. Do you know who she is? No. Okay. Yeah, I know. I know the daily. I used to listen to the daily. It's gotten so, so bad. I don't know how anyone listens to it anymore, but, uh, so I listened to it and even my friend who's a hardcore liberal said, Hey man, that's really bad. That is really, they did a really, really bad job. And because basically what they did is they report on it and then they know that they're in the wrong and, uh, and they, and they can't make Rittenhouse guilty no matter what they do. So at the very end, they say, well, the bigger issue here is gun laws. And so they flip the script. Mm. And so, 
Um, so I just wanted to ask you, I wanted to ask you some things about um, the three guys, uh, Rosenbaum, Anthony Hubert, and what's this other guy's name? Gage Croce. Gage, uh, uh, Grosskreutz. Gage Grossroyce. Kreutz. It's, it's very weird pronunciation. Yeah, Gage Grosskreutz. That's how they were pronouncing it uh, when I was watching the trial. Okay, give me the middle name one more time. Um, uh, Gage Grosskreutz. Okay. And then we got Anthony Huber and Joseph Rosenbaum. Okay. So, th- so this guy's th- this guy Rittenhouse is there, and I don't even know if we want to go into this, but this guy Rittenhouse, people are saying, what was he doing there? What business did he have doing there? And it's a really bizarre question to me because I think the baseline for riot is anyone. What is anybody doing there? So I don't, I don't think it matters. It's just like there. It's just those are the people who go to riots, right? I mean. Does it does it does it matter why he's there versus why anyone else is there? No, no. I my my thing is at the end of the day, Rittenhouse had just as much of a right to be there as much as anyone else. So that argument, like, is- what are they implying that he went there to kill people and that was somehow different than the people who went there to burn buildings down? I, I I'm not sure I understand what what the relevancy of the question is. I think I, I'm trying yeah, to be the- honest too. Why are they asking that? I mean, I think people are just trying to kind of create this narrative of, you know, this white kid goes to a Black Lives Matter protest and is just gunning down people. You know, that was kind of the the narrative that the corporate press ran. But when you always look at the details, things are always more complex than that. So for folks who don't know, Rinhouse actually showed up on day two and was actually already cleaning graffiti, um, cleaning up after the riots. So he was already there uh, the previous night. It's not like he showed up on day three. Um, that rifle, the AR-15, a lot of – if you listen to the liberal corporate press, they want to do the cross-state lines, cross-state lines argument. Um, that rifle was actually already in Wisconsin. So it's not like he drove from Illinois to Wisconsin with the rifle cross-state lines. The wi- rifle was already there. Um, Rittenhouse actually had family that lived in Wisconsin. His dad worked in uh, – I mean, yeah, worked in Kenosha. And from where Rittenhouse was, and he drove to Kenosha, it was literally 20 minutes. Um, thank you for bringing that, that photo. So that photo of Rittenhouse, that's on day two. I mean, so it's he's already been there. You can see he's he's trying to be proactive. Um, and, oh, you know, look at his face. He just wants it to become nighttime so he can start shooting people. I recognize that <laughs> stare. Um, why does it matter if the gun was legal? Why does it matter if he if 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 he stole the gun? If it crossed state line, how is that? So so basically, uh, basically, what in the New York Times piece they said that the jury had one one thing that they had to decide decide did Rittenhouse see these people as a threat and was his assessment reasonable? That was the only thing that they were tasked with doing. Why then do why then does it matter where the gun came from? Well, the thing is, it's, it's I think this was just it's once again, it's all about narrative and painting Rittenhouse uh, to be this character that he's really not. Um, I think for me, one of the more fascinating things, too, is people are just finding out that Rittenhouse never shot any black uh, any black people. Um, so I think the people are using this excuse. I, my favorite one is the cross state lines. Like when did, when did that become? illegal to cross state lines i don't i don't get it. i just crossed state lines yesterday to come back to california um so i don't I know think where with a gun though, that right? argument there's, even made sense either but there's different gu- i think that was in regards to with guns right because you can't cross state lines with guns um, that- i mean I, I i haven't seen anything where it's against the law but i mean like i said the rifle was already in uh wisconsin 
um, Rittenhouse actually, and you, you, if you watch the trial, you got to see that his, uh, his, um, you know, him possessing the weapon, that charge actually got d- dismissed because they found out that he was legally able to possess it. Um, it had, it had something to do with the barrel. So if it was, the barrel was actually shorter, Rittenhouse, it would be illegal for him to carry it. So he actually was legally allowed to, um, possess that weapon. Yeah, I still don't know how that's relevant to did to what the judge tasked the jury with find, with determining did Rittenhouse see these people as a threat and was his assessment reasonable? I mean, I, I just don't see. I mean, I understand if they want to charge him with that separately, but like, I just don't like if you're threatened and you have an illegal knife, are you supposed to? You know, you have one of those knives that like I have that's illegal where you push the button and it shoots up. Um, it, oh, sorry, I can't stab you with this. I got to run home and get a legal knife. Like, like what? I like I don't. Anyway, okay. Um, let's say that let let me just let's just close this with this. Let's say the gun was illegal. Would that let's say it was illegal? Is it is it like football? Then oh, you killed them with an illegal gun. Now you're in trouble. Now you're in trouble, and now it is murder. You didn't kill them with a legal gun. Like would it have affected that decision at all? No, I mean, I mean, if if worse would have came to worse, he would have been charged for the gun possession, but he still would have been not guilty on. Uh, the rest, you know, the rest of the, the rest charges. So, I mean, even if that would happen, that's not the end of the world for Rittenhouse. He could take he could take that charge. But um, I mean, according to the judge um, in the state of Wisconsin, even at, for a 17 year old, uh, Rittenhouse was legally able to possess that gun. I just think, to be honest, the, all this outside talk was more for the media narrative. At the end of the day, it, all that matters is by the court uh, of, of law and then that, that moment of, of self-defense. So all this other stuff of crossing state lines or why is he there? Why is a 17 year old there? All that is actually really not even relevant um, when it comes to just this, this case of self-defense. Okay. Good. Good to know. Um, so, so Rosenbaum is on the scene. Um, they describe him as five foot four short fucker. I'm five, five. You know, that's a really interesting thing. Five, five is really short. Like, like only 12% of the men in the world are shorter than me. But once you go to five, four, five, three, actually, bro, five, three. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's short. That's short. That's that is that is really really short. It's let, weird. Let, it's weird when me, I see dudes who are five three. And like, I like getting this, chicks at five three is hard. That, getting chicks at five five is hard. I mean, I mean, I did it. I was a successful uh, hunter and gatherer, but man, it's work. It's work. Um, How tall me, are you, me, Jorge? I'm a, I'm I'm five six five seven on a good day. All right, all right. Well, you're so, every inch counts. Every inch counts. Every inch counts. No, I. That's that's true. Um, I will say this just for for people who who just to kind of remind the audience. Uh, Joseph Rosenbaum was released from a mental hospital the day of the shooting. Uh, the reason why he was released from a mental hospital, or the, the reason why he entered a mental hospital in the first place, is he tried to kill himself by overdosing on pills. So that's the type of uh, character uh, Joseph Rose, Rosenbaum is. He also obviously has the past a criminal record of of molesting um a 14 year old boy uh th- what i read was anal sex with five boys oh it, wow it, okay is that correct yes yeah it was with multiple boys yes and and, and it was anal that's that's what i read in the article yeah i i i, I think i read that too and um yeah so that's a type of character uh rosenbaum and so he literally barely gets released out of a mental health hospital and he's at a riot on night three. So, you know, the question is, what is he doing there? Uh, the five victims range in age from nine to 11. Oh my God. And he was charged with having anal sex with them. They were all boys is what this report says here. That's gross. So, so there are some interesting, there are some really weird things about that. Um, uh, 
he they let him go because he commi- he tried to commit suicide. And the, are you suggesting that the facility um, didn't have the 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 adequate staff to take care of someone who committed suicide? So the next step was to release him. I'm I'm not sure about you know the the mental health facility. I just know that from from the reports that are out there, uh, Joseph Rosenbaum was released the morning uh, of the third night of the shooting uh, after trying to overdose himself on pills. I'm not sure what the assessment was to let this guy go or why did they didn't even have like a family member or a friend uh, pick him up. So that was um, you know just very odd to just release him. And then you know what is you know then Rosenbaum's you know at a riot on on night three. Um, Anthony Huber, which is the man that struck um, Mr. Rittenhouse with the skateboard. Anthony Huber also had a criminal uh, history of of hitting his girlfriend. Um, so did um, Gage Grosskreutz has also had a past history of domestic violence. Um, also, let me remind people too: uh, Jump Kick Man. For those who watched the trial, he was he that was that was his identity. Jump Kick Man, which is the African American male that jump kicks cow, was also a past felon. Um, so it just seemed that every single person involved in this has had some type of criminal uh, record that um, that attacked Rittenhouse that the the night of the of the shooting. Is that relevant? Uh, I think so. It does it. Are we? Does it matter that? Okay, before before okay, because maybe it doesn't matter that maybe that that guy was just got out of jail um, that night after being 10 years in jail. Maybe it doesn't matter that um, according to the New York times, he, he had missed his medications uh, that day. Maybe it doesn't matter that he was in jail for uh, raping five boys anally between the ages of nine and 11. Maybe we've lost track. Maybe, maybe that's like the same thing that the New York times is doing by saying, um, this isn't about, uh, murder this is about gun control like like are, are, are we do, do you know what i'm saying maybe we're doing the same thing that the the, 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 the these other journalists are doing but by, by focusing in on that um i mean i would disagree just because when it comes to something like this you always want to see you know the everyone's past criminal record so even if like for instance like if Rinhouse, he doesn't have a criminal record and and if he did um it's something to look into at the end of the day even if you take out everyone's past criminal records and all all that stuff and just look at that situation um it's it's still a clear case for for self-defense but i just think knowing those characters does give you some context to who those people are right right um uh don't text me when i'm on the show uh so, so the, um, one of the guys testified in the case. Um, he was on the stand, and I forget his name. And I think he was a uh, videographer. Maybe it was for the Daily Caller, but it was yeah, on the, it was my uh, colleague at the Daily Caller, Richie McGinnis. Richie McGinnis. Okay, and it's very interesting because they introduce him as a as a right wing. <laughs> reporter the new york times has to tell you that which is funny so i guess they want to be called corporate media or 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 china media i mean i don't know i don't know what they what they want to call themselves but but if they're going to do that they should do it balanced they should say who's backing them but so he testified that he heard the um that he heard rosenbaum yelling um shoot me n-word and what i find fascinating is that he said shoot me n-word and that the prosecutor or the or the defendant didn't say, hey, you need to say, shoot me, nigger. And why is that important? Because if that's such a powerful word, the jury needs to hear that. That guy was running down the street yelling, shoot me, nigger. That's way different than shoot me, N-word. For some people. For some people. He was right. yelling, fuck the police. He flipped over a porta potty. I've been to a lot of crazy events. I've never seen anyone flip over a porta potty. 
Did you have you ever seen anyone flip over a porta potty? Or hey, you no. can do a few rides. No. That's impressive, right? It is. I think I've only seen it like on Jackass or something. Yes, yes. When they launched that uh, porta yeah. potty into the space in space, the guy in it. Um, uh, start. He was starting fires. He was off his medication. These were all things that the New York Times reported today, or or in the in the daily in their podcast. Um, and he was chasing Rittenhouse, and Rittenhouse, according to McGinnis, was yelling at him, "I'm a friendly. I'm a friendly." Have you ever heard that um, when you're out reporting? Reporters yell, or anyone yells, "I'm a friendly." No, no, I, I, I haven't. You've never yelled that yourself? No. Yeah, babe, have you ever yelled, I'm 5'6", I'm 5'6"? Um, I say I'm, I'm 5'7", juicy Latino man, please don't hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he was chasing Rittenhouse, he yelled, uh, uh, Ritten was yelling repeatedly, I'm a friendly, I'm a friendly, and then Rosenbaum grabbed his gun. Um, oh, oh, well, according to McGinnis, um, Rosenbaum chases uh, Rittenhouse, and Rittenhouse does not point his weapon at Rosenbaum until, according to McGinnis' testimony, um, Rosenbaum says, fuck you, Eden, lunges for the weapon. And then you, that's where you kind of see that picture of Richie kind of standing up in his testimony and showing the lunge. So when he lunges for the weapon, um, according to McGinnis, it wasn't, he wasn't clear if he got to touch it or not, but he lunges for the weapon, and that's when Kyle Rittenhouse uh, points and shoots at Rosenbaum. It's amazing to me also that in the courthouse that wasn't one of the attorneys um, holding a gun and pointing it around in the courthouse, like to show what it looks like to have an AR in there. Was it was the prosecution? Yes, it was doing the um, the prosecution team. Thomas Binger. Yeah. Yep. Thomas Binger. It, it's amazing that you won't let that they won't demand that the guy give a, a, a explicit testimony on what he heard so that the jury can hear the power of the words. But you're willing to point a gun around. It really shows how woke and scared everyone is, because I'm telling you, if he was saying, shoot me, kike or shoot me, spick, that they, they would have said it. There would have been oh, no absolutely. there would have been shoot me, all of it. Shoot me, Beaner. They would have said it. Yeah, yeah. Don't get carried away. Don't. This is a PG show. Don't get carried. Uh, they, uh, they, they uh, what, what? Uh, if they would have said, "Shoot me, you second-rate Stevo." Has <laughs> what are you? What are you, Matt? Second, two-bit Stevo. What did someone call you one time in the comments? Two-bit Stevo. Low, low, low budget. Low budget. Low budget. Low Steve budget Steve yes. <laughs> Fuck you, you low budget Stevo. Uh, okay, okay. So, so, so when you grab someone who has a, and, and so while this is going, where are you when this is going on? Um, I'm actually just a couple blocks away um, from this. Um, so when Rittenhouse shoots uh, Rosenbaum, I actually hear the shots ring a couple blocks away. And then the thing is, there was multiple shootings that night in this little small town. So it felt actually, it felt very chaotic. So when Rittenhouse shoots, uh, and, and I'm a couple blocks down, someone actually runs up to me because they were freaking out. Like I said, there was multiple gunfire, uh, multiple gunshots that night. But someone runs up to me and, and screams at me. Get into your hotel room because there's cars doing drive-bys and shooting at the crowd. Who so said that's you? Do you know who or random? It was just a random. And then so when I heard that, uh, me and another reporter for Scriber News, his name is Kalen Dalmeda. We run into a hotel room. Uh, we wait about 30 minutes before we, we go back to the streets. And why do you go back to the streets? You're like, fuck it. I'm here to do a job. Like you let your adrenaline calm down. You grow your testicles drop back down and you go back out. Yeah, I said, hold on. Um, so we went back in just because there was so much commotion. We didn't really understand what, what, what was going on. I tried to call my, my video director, Richie. He doesn't answer. And then after 30 minutes, I convinced Kalen we need to go back and, and do reporting. Kalen didn't want to go back out, um, but I convinced him. And then we, that's when we head back to the streets. And then by that time, 
kind of the the they already had the yellow tape up. And then I actually was looking at the rounds. Um, the rounds were actually still on the street, so I was I was actually looking at them with my eyes. Uh, did you were you wearing a bulletproof vest? Yes. Uh, and a, and a hard hat. Yes. And how about your homeboy? Same. Mm-hmm. So so how did you convince him? Don't be a pussy, or give him a shot of vodka, or what's the technique of convincing him? I just told him, hey man, we 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 really need to get back out there, um, and you know, kind of, you know, give an update to our audience. Like we just have to get back out there, um, and yeah. So he he finally uh, agreed. And then that's when me and Kaylin went back out to the streets. And and when you went back out, you said it was thirty minutes after you heard the gunshot. So by then it was done. By then he oh, killed all three people. Yes. Yeah, so by by that time it was over. But the thing is, there was other gunfire, so there was still a lot of commotion. So people were still like, hey, um, you know, we think there's drive-bys. We think there's multiple. Sh-. So people were just – you just kept hearing different stories. Nothing was solid. And um, I think an hour went by, and I got a call from my boss, Richie, and he tells me um, that uh, Rosenbaum got shot in front of him and that he was in the hospital because he carried Rosenbaum to the hospital and that he wasn't going to be returning to the hospital because he had a – uh, go to the Kenosha Police Department and essentially spend all night and morning with them. Who carried Rosenbaum to the hospital? My video director. Uh, we have to go, Jorge. This interview's over. Can you give me his <laughs> phone number? <laughs> oh fuck, we got the wrong guy. Uh, um, well, here let, let me let me remind folks too is you know when the, all that st- stuff is happening in real time, you know my, my for my video director, he doesn't know who Rosenbaum is or you know he doesn't know anything about him. He just sees a guy gets shot in the head and dropped straight to the floor. So my video director then takes his shirt off, wraps it around his head, picks him up and attempts to take him to the hospital and save his life. And they, uh, they actually get him into a truck. And my, my, my boss, Richie is, did he stick his finger in your video director's ass or anything like that? Well, sorry, (laughs) sorry. I know, I know it's not cool. Sorry. No, no. Okay. But, um, you actually hear it in the testimony where McGinnis, is in the back of the truck of Rosenbaum and McGinnis tells Rosenbaum, Hey man, you're going to make it, you know, we're going to have some beers and talk about this. And then obviously Rosenbaum never replies. And then obviously he gets to the hospital and that's when the, the, the police kind of take take my boss away and confiscate his phone and then keep him, keep him for questioning for about 12 hours. What were you doing separated from your boss? The, the video, the director, why were you separated? From um, him? I was separated from him just because, I was just, you know, the thing is, there were there were civil unrest everywhere. So I was, um, you know, we kind of get you kind of get split up sometimes in the in the in the madness. So I remember I was just I was filming other, you know, buildings burning down. And then the good thing is, um, I had another reporter, Kaylin, watching my back. So I wasn't too worried. I knew I knew that my boss was with our colleague uh, Shelby Talcott. Uh, we also had another buddy out there, Julio Rosas and Drew Hernandez and Elijah Schaefer. So we had a we had a good amount of group um, on the floor with everyone. You know, we were all texting each other. Uh, checking up on each other like every 30 minutes dude chaos that video that Sousa just played is just utter chaos and people are still driving around huh even though the streets are on fire and there's gunshots yeah people people were still driving around it was it was complete madness i think you know for me i was um my jaw was to the floor the whole time because i just couldn't believe what i was seeing like i said you know when you're at these major cities do you see a building burn down? Yes, but it's not every single building on the block. On Kenosha, it felt like every single building on the block was being burned down. So for me, I was just – I was in this kind of element of of where I was fascinated just because I just couldn't believe that I was seeing what was happening in American town. It felt like third world country. 
I felt like I was in Brazil or something. It did not feel like America at all. Um, what was your boss's name? Who put he put Rosenbaum in the back of a pickup truck? Is that what you said? Yeah, I mean, his name is uh, Richie McGinnis. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. So that's the guy we've been talking about the whole time. Okay, yes. sorry. So, yep. so, and so he takes him. Did he? So he saw Rittenhouse too. If he saw Rosenbaum, he saw Rittenhouse. The thing is, so let's. So was Rich, he afraid Rittenhouse was going to shoot him? Um, my 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 boss says he wasn't scared because of that. But um, so my boss sees obviously he sees Rittenhouse get shot. I mean, you mean he sees he, Rosenbaum get shot. He goes to apply help. And then there's actually a video of it, and Rittenhouse is actually right behind my boss and Rosenbaum. And and at that time, according to McGinnis, he doesn't know that Rittenhouse is the shooter. So he actually turns around and yells at Rittenhouse to call the police. Um, and that's when you kind of see Rosen, uh, you see Rittenhouse look at his phone, and then he, he immediately starts running. And then when he starts running, is then then that's when he gets confronted. And he's getting chased by Gage Grosskreutz. Gage Grosskreutz is the guy who actually had a firearm. Um, so he's getting chased by Gage Grosskreutz. Uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, I think, after, and then at that time. Wait, gets so has he killed Hubert yet? Um, he's actually about to because then Anthony okay. Hubert joins the chase. Okay. Hits Rittenhouse with the skateboard. Rittenhouse goes to the floor, then gets hit in the head. That's when you also see jump kick men, jump kick Rittenhouse. That's when you see the shots at um, – at jump, at jump kick man that actually I don't think actually connected. Then he shoots Anthony Huber. Anthony Huber gets shot and killed. Wait, wait. Gets- so, so wait a second. So go back there. So what they said, what they said today in the New York Times, and this was very, very confusing. And this is a, the, eventually we're going to get to this point, which I think is going to be the highlight of the show. How fucked up the prosecution is. Um, the, you're saying he took a shot possibly at jump kick man. I think the way the New York times described it was he was on his butt. He being Rittenhouse and he actually took a shot at, by the way, how many times did he shoot Rosenbaum? I gotta, I gotta see. I think, I think they had it at a total of four shots. Um, I would have to double check that though, just, just to make sure. It's crazy that it, 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 it's sort of crazy the restraint that Rittenhouse had mm-hmm. that it, while he was being chased, he didn't just turn around. I, I, I've shot uh, one of those guns and it's very comfortable and easy. You can just like drop to one knee and just any, you can just point it, look through the site and just basically pick anything off you want. It's, I mean, yeah, I, 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 think I never shot it at anything alive, but I mean, if, if I was scared or if I felt like my kids were being threatened, another weird thing I'd like to point out is, is that. I, I know Rittenhouse was 17 at the time, but that's a minor. And the guy that was chasing him was a was, had anal had anally penetrated five minors. That's why he was in jail. And I know you can be like, well, he's 17. I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just stating the the 17 is still a minor. Just yep. you can paint the narrative any way you want. It's bizarre that that guy was chasing a 17 year old. It's it's a boy of all things. I wonder how tall Rittenhouse is. Yeah, I gotta check. Um, I think what people, people need to remember is that you know, um, Rittenhouse could have easily turned into an active shooter. He somehow had the restraint where he literally only shot at people that attacked him. I thought, you know, that I mean, that has to be something that's like a. I mean, for me, it was a huge wow factor because I, you could easily see how someone could easily turn into, you know, an active shooter just start spraying. Um, but Rittenhouse never never did that. How is it that that the dudes he shot? either attacked him or pointed a gun at him. Okay, we'll get to that. I mean I mean it's it's pretty God, it's crazy. It's crazy that he was charged, right? 
with the crime? Oh, absolutely. I, I yeah. I mean, it, it was. I mean, just from from the the day one of it, um, it was just crazy because I according I think Rinhouse just did his interview with Tucker, and according to Tucker, I think uh, Rinhouse said when he got arrested, he he didn't even know what his charges were. That they didn't even actually charge him with anything yet. He was just arrested, and Kenosha PD didn't even have charges for him. Wow. I also saw on that that he supports BLM. I wonder if he's just saying that. He might just be saying. I mean, who knows? Who knows? Have you have we seen his parents? Have Rittenhouse's parents been on camera? Uh, his mom has. His mom, um, I believe, just a week ago or two weeks ago, she actually did a one-on-one interview with Sean Hannity on Fox News. Do we know who paid for his his uh, legal fees? Uh, I believe it was all through um, all through donations. Amazing. So, okay. So, so go on. So, so, so now, so you're saying, so now at this point, um, uh, when, uh, Anthony, so at this point you're saying gauge, sorry, when, when, sorry, when Rosenbaum started chasing him, you're saying then Anthony Huber also showed up. No. So, so when, tell me that story again. Yeah. So Rosenbaum is chasing, um, Rinhouse. Rinhouse then runs into that car dealership called, car source so essentially no no rosenbaum's already sorry sorry let me sorry let me go back rosenbaum's been shot and 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 uh and mcginnis has already taken him away and told him to great call the cops instead rittenhouse runs now he's running he's running and then gage grosskreutz actually was on a facebook live live streaming and he's starting to follow rittenhouse and he's questioning rittenhouse he's saying Hey, were you the one that shot? Were you the one that shot? Were you the one that shot and was chasing him? And that's when Anthony Huber joins the chase. Um, You could kind of see some contact made to uh, Rittenhouse's back with that skateboard. Rittenhouse falls. You see see jump kick man, then kick Kyle. And then after that, you see the skateboard hit Kyle in the head. So Kyle obviously shoots Anthony Huber. He obviously, Anthony Huber drops dead. Jump kick man was able to escape from the scene. But Gage Grosskreutz continued to on his pursuit with a firearm in his hand. He then points his firearm at Rinhouse, and it wasn't until the the firearm was pointed at Rinhouse that Rinhouse points and shoots at Gage Grosskreutz, hitting him in the arm. After he hits him in the arm, that's where you see Rinhouse then run to the police and attempt to uh, turn himself in. So, um, in, in the testimony you heard on the New York Times, it's interesting because they say, and then. And then um, Gage Grosskreutz finds himself face-to-face with Rittenhouse. I'm like, finds himself face-to-face with Rittenhouse? Fine. This isn't fucking Kafka where you go to bed as a human and you wake up as a cockroach. Like, like, like what? What do you mean finds himself? You, what if, if the question is, what is – if you're going to ask that question, you got to ask about everyone. Wh- why is Rittenhouse there? Why is Gage Grosskreutz there FaceTiming live trying to get followers for his fucking FaceTime and carrying a gun? Anyway, it, none of them are relevant is my point. Like who gives a fuck why they're there? They're, let, they're, let, they're, me, they're, let me add this. I, yeah. I do think this is important. Um, when Gage Grosskreutz submitted his police statement to the Kenosha Police Department, he never – mentions uh that he had a firearm and that he pointed it at Rittenhouse. he tells police that his firearm fell um which was a lie and the, the cross-examination did a good job of getting him to admit that yes. lie gage grosskreutz then i think a week or two later 
submits a letter to the city of Kenosha asking for $10 million and doesn't mention in that letter that he had a weapon. So uh, one thing when you're watching the trial, uh, Binger on the prosecution side is is saying, oh, Rittenhouse, you know, he went he he took a gunfight to a fist fight. Well, it was like, well, your own star witness, Gage Grosskreutz, also t- also took a firearm. It's it's almost like they just totally forgot that fact. Yeah, and, and and that is this that is the sad part. And I'm and, and I guess kudos to the New York Times for sharing it. They basically, you, if you guys want to listen to it, it's the Daily Podcast. You should listen to it. You get to hear some of the testimony. But basically, the the prosecution asks um, Gage. So you you approached him with your hands up in the air, and he said yes. And he goes, and then he shot you. And he goes, and he goes yes. And then the defense and and then he just leaves it at that. And then the defense walks up to 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 counter whatever that's called, ask ask questions of the guy in the stand, and he, they say to Gage, and when you had your hands up in your air, Rittenhouse was on the ground, correct? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, he was sitting on his butt, and he goes, correct? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, and you walked towards him with your hands in the air, and he goes, correct? And he goes, and then you started lowering your hand, and he goes, right? And he goes, and then you lowered your hand. Oh my goodness that video and then and then they ask him and then gage you lowered your hand and then your gun was pointed at rittenhouse and he goes yes and he goes and then he shot you and he goes yes and what i thought at that moment when i'm hearing this testimony is not only was gage going to be okay by not by omitting some really important details but so was the prosecution at that point i realized and it shows my naiveness and my mom even told me how naive i am they don't want the truth. They were trying to prosecute Rittenhouse. They let per on purpose left out the fact that he pointed the gun at the guy sitting on the ground who had just been hitting in, in the head of the skateboard. Why would you do that? How would you go to bed at night? Cross examine. Thank you, Will. How when they cross examined him, they 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 were able to get the, the truth that he had his gun pointed at a man sitting on his butt on the ground who had just been hit by a skateboard. I know I, I it's despicable. His, um, it's despicable that human beings. I just don't understand how the prosecutor sleeps at night. What and, if that guy? What if Rittenhouse would have gone to jail? No, and the thing is, I thought the cra- the cross examination on that part did one of the best jobs I've ever seen, where they got him to admit that. Even the Washington Post, uh, even before they put out this report of like, oh, here's our video analyst um, of that night, and they never mentioned Gage Grosskreutz pointing a weapon at Rittenhouse. It's almost like they try to just om- omit that. Um, but the cross-examination did a good job of getting Gage Grosskreutz not only to admit that, but to admit that he lied to the Kenosha Police Department. I thought that was – when that came out, I actually thought that's that's what turned the, tr- the trial. I thought that's when the tide started to turn. And I th- do think my colleague's uh, state uh, testimony, Richard McGinnis, when he says that uh, Rosenbaum then lunged for that weapon, I thought those were the two biggest moments in the trial that made the case for self-defense. And the New York Times said this. Um, that – that was problematic for the prosecution because of a small difference in details. Small difference in details, whether whether his hands are in the air or he has a gun pointed at you. <laughs> problematic. <laughs> I, it just really, it, it was disheartening that this is like a basketball game. It's just about winning. It's not about... Um, finding out the truth. And, and, and that's just my naiveness. And, and I asked my mom who, who uh, used to be an attorney for, I don't know, 30, 40 years. 
She said, Hey man, the lawyers have a duty to their clients to get their clients to win. And I said, but what if the, what if the prosecutor that they assigned to this knows that this guy's innocent? She's like, he has no choice. He still has to prosecute or lose his job and not put food on the table. And I would love to find out if that prosecutor really thinks that Rittenhouse was, deserves to go to jail. That's a good, that's actually a great question. Um, it's honestly, it, it, this is this whole trial, the right, I mean, it's, it's been fascinating. I think, um, I think what the, what the Rittenhouse trial also shows is, is, and I know I've said it a ton of times on social media, but I'll keep saying it is just the importance of having those frontline journalists of uh, reporters on the ground, because the corporate media try to create this narrative that never existed. And if it wasn't for all the video evidence from the different angles um, this kid will be sitting in prison if it was. I mean, the thing is, the best part about this too is that these frontline reporters, all they have is this, is the is a cell phone, and you know that's all you need. And I'm glad that BG on the scene was there. Drew Hernandez, Elijah Schaefer, Julio Rosas, Shelby Telcar, Richie McGinnis, um, everyone there. I think contributed into this kind of um, into this thing where you get to show the American people the the full scope, the truth. This kid would be in prison if it wasn't for those video evidences because, they, you know, the corporate media probably would have swayed the jury. Um, but good thing that video was there and the corporate press took a huge loss. Not only did corporate press take a loss here, so did Silicon Valley. I mean, Silicon Valley and big tech uh, were literally banning and censoring anyone who even came out and said Rittenhouse is innocent. And then the jury decided that he was innocent. So there you go. So. Uh, corporate press took a uh, took a huge loss, and Silicon Valley took a huge loss. Are are any of your um uh are any of your journalist friends who are who are liberals like starting to wake up and like flipping the script? Um, a little bit. Um, I don't have too many uh friends reporters who are I would say liberal. It's just um. I just think of a, a lot of them, they're starting to learn just kind of the BS from corporate media. Um, anyone who's actually kind of like a frontline reporter already doesn't trust corporate media. That's why they're, they're out there. Don't they um, all start so we, off? Don't don't they all start off as liberals? It wasn't even Tucker like originally on CNN. Don't they? Yeah. Don't they all don't don't because because you want to believe the peace, love, uh, kumbaya, um, all men are equal uh, rhetoric. Don't they all start off? Don't we all start off as liberal or no? That's a good question. I mean, I think we might. I mean, the thing is, it's it's we all sort of I mean, we could say we all start off liberal. But I mean, the OG liberal would be for free speech against corporations, against right. this kind of large media apparatus. Um, right. So the OG liberals would be in total support of this type of work or movement because they would they would be against the corporations. They would be against Google and Facebook. Um, and big tech kind of having this monopoly of power on information. So um, you could even say still liberal, just the the real definition of liberal, not the, I guess, maybe the new school of it or, or whatever. Yeah, I like, I like this term corporate media. It really is what it's become. Um, the jury, why three days? Were they scared? Did, I, I saw some video footage. I don't know if it was George Floyd's nephew. Or, or, or some someone was related to George Floyd and he was driving in his car and he's like basically sending telling the jury, hey, we know who you are. We have pictures of you. Is is that real? Like, yes, that was a real video from George Floyd's nephew. Now, we don't now it we haven't verified yet if 
that was true what he was saying of like they're taking pictures of the jurors. Um, That's threatening though, right? The implications, I mean, the implications are that it's threatening. It is. Even also, don't forget the day before the verdict came out, an MSNBC producer was pulled over by Kenosha Police Department for following the jury bus. Um, and according to the producer, he was just following his assignment. Um, and then that's when you had the judge come out the next day and said MSNBC would not be allowed in the courtroom. It's crazy. I I actually thought. What is um, the argument? Go ahead. Go ahead. No, just I mean, just to be you know quite frank, I thought that the jury was going to go guilty just because this uh, this case or trial was so politicized. I just thought there was no way they're going to see the truth because I think they're too scared. The pressure from the media. You had the protester out- outside. So I thought it was going to go guilty. And then actually, as long and then when the jury deliberations went to the fourth day, I'm like, I started to have that feeling. I'm like, this actually might swing Kyle's way. Um, but I thought, I thought they were going to rule guilty. I really did. Man, is is there is there any way you can convince yourself that he's guilty? Why do why why do people want him to be guilty? Why can't I see? I um. People why can't I? Why can't I see this? Like, what, what? What do people see that makes them want him to be guilty? Well, the thing is, people want to see Rittenhouse guilty because, for those who are on the left wing or get their media or get their information from this kind of corporate press, um, it's a sexy headline. It's a sexy narrative for them. White kid goes into a Black Lives Matter rights, gunning down black people. I mean, for them, it's a great white supremacy story it's great for ratings um it you know it it's that narrative that that they want to buy um i mean even if you turn on espn or sports center right now you got all the all the sports journalists coming out and crying on tv how a white supremacist got off the hook so for them it's a great narrative it makes them feel like a social justice warrior um but like i always try to tell my friends who are not really obsessed with news like myself is things are very complex and there's always much more uh, than, than what the headline reads. Um, Bo- Bonnie's saying because they don't think he should have been there. Uh, I, 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 <laughs> I don't, I don't think he should have been there either. I don't think that Rosenbaum should have been there. I don't think I, I but how is that, that he's guilty? Like, um, like I shouldn't have had my third cup of coffee today and definitely not my fifth. I just don't get how that he shouldn't have been there. I don't, I still don't get it. I, I I'm there with you on that one. I, I, I really I don't, I don't think see, any of those arguments makes any sense. I, I yeah, I, I, um, when they say he shouldn't have been there or what was he doing there? I feel like, well, why did his parents have sex and make him? I mean, it's just like, like, why did God let him do that? I mean, I could just start asking all sorts of stupid questions. Why, yeah, why did they? It's a stupid one. I don't, I, I, mean, I don't agree. I don't like it. I mean, I, I, it doesn't make any sense to me. It's the same thing with, it's just a distraction from the fact that. So. A girl walking down the street in a bikini in a bad neighborhood where um, there's rapists everywhere does not deserve to be raped. I fully agree. I I I I I think that um, a guy walking down the street with a gun shouldn't just um, 
just inherently just shoot people just because like he 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 has some extra bullets okay i'm trying to draw a, a comparison here but that's not that's not what happened it wasn't just a girl walking down the street in a bikini it wasn't a guy just um walking down the street with a gun it was someone hit him in the head with a skateboard someone else kicked them it was in the middle of a riot where other people had guns it was in a place where carrying guns was legal he and I mean, I don't even want to go down that. I don't want to become more stupid on accident by thinking like them. But I, but I also don't want to like miss a. Um, I, I just can't believe there's that many dumb people. I don't want to believe there's that much uh, ignorance out there. What if Rittenhouse was your son or your daughter? Like, if Rosenbaum was my son or my daughter, I, I would be like, yeah, that sucks. Like he had it coming. And if, um, if, if, uh, Hubert was my son or daughter, I was like, yeah. How about, how about this? This is one of the things that New York Times said. They were trying to paint, um, uh, Kyle as an active shooter. What's the definition of an active shooter? I see that an active shooter is I took my gun to college and I just started shooting the college campus and started shooting people. I mean, it, I, you know, we, obviously we got to look at the textbook definition, but I would view it as that way too. You know, an active shooter is just spraying anyone or anything um, just for the, I guess, the reason just to do it without, you know, self-defense class. So for me, um, yeah, like I said, they try to paint this guy as active shooter, white supremacist, even though to this day we haven't seen an ounce of evidence that that, that proves that. What um, if he was a white supremacist? That's another thing. Like, who cares? I do, I just all of that shit just seems like idiocy. It doesn't make me. any. I mean, Kyle could have been with the KKK for all we know, and it doesn't change his argument for self defense. To be honest, yeah, it doesn't really matter. He could have been with the Black Panthers. I don't know. Right. What if he was a Christian? What if he was a Muslim? What if he was a CrossFitter? I I just don't. Active shooter or active killer describes the perpetrator of a type of mass murder marketed by rapidity, scale, randomness, and often suicide. So I'm, I'm gonna, can you put that back up for a second? I'm, I'm going to read into that definition a little bit. And, and uh, is that from the FBI website? Matt. There was especially no randomness with with with, uh, with Rittenhouse situations. No, that's that's just from uh, Wikipedia. But the larger definition on the FBI website just basically mimicked this uh, definition here. This and and just- I don't think th- I don't think an active shooter runs, and he wasn't suicidal, and it wasn't a large scale killing. And it wasn't randomness. There was no. And it wasn't random. No, you had to do something to him. You had to do something to Kyle. That's what I mean. Like the, 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 there's there's a difference between. I don't know if I also should. I also want to add too. I mean the there were you know they could have um they they were attempting to charge also Kyle for what they call I think reckless endangerment and they actually were were trying to tie that to my colleague Richard McGinnis that he um, endangered his life and according to McGinnis he did not feel that from Rittenhouse. But at the end of the day, according to Wisconsin law, if you have a strong case for self-defense, usually that reckless endangerment kind of goes away too. An active shooter, this is from the FBI website, an active shooter is an individual actively engaged in killing or attempting to kill people in a populated area. And recent active shooter incidents have underscored the need for coordinated responses by law enforcement. The FBI is committed to working. um, That's it. 
That's their active shooter page. Yeah, you found a better definition, Matt. Yeah, it's crazy. I, I, I really. I, has anyone interviewed Jorge the um, the prosecution and asked um, and a, and asked them how they feel about their loss? Like, have they done any any pub like public interviews? Hey, do you guys feel bad? Do you guys think justice was served? Do you, I mean, is there? I just can't believe that anyone who's in as of right now, the- yeah. Yeah, I said as of right now, the prosecution hasn't done any interviews. I know that um, Rin's house defense team has already given in- interviews to like a, to CNN, I believe, um, and they haven't they haven't spoke to Fox. I don't know if they will sp- speak to Fox. Crazy how 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 was the Tucker Carlson interview with Rittenhouse? I haven't seen it. I actually have to watch it myself. I saw little clips up on on Twitter go up, but uh, I think an interesting. Detail, according to Renhouse, is his previous lawyers who were Lynn Wood and John Pierce. According to Renhouse, they kept him in jail on purpose, even though they could have got him out earlier. They, According to Renhouse, he believes they kept him in jail so they could keep um, um, trying to raise funds in which they just try to you know raise the funds for themselves. So according to Renhouse, he actually could have been out of jail uh, in early September, wasn't released. So I believe November 20th uh, last year, I believe he spent a total of 87 days. Uh, Rinhouse said that he went 20 days without showering because there was no running water in his cell. Holy shit. <sighs> and, and, and why didn't they take him out of jail? Because the attorneys were trying to raise money? Yeah, according to Rinhouse, he thought that Linwood and John Pierce kept him in jail on purpose to continue to raise funds in which they only used the funds for himself. So uh, Rinhouse bell was set at like a million dollars, and he said that they hit that early September, so they could have taken him out of jail. He could have been with his family during that whole time, but he didn't get released. Uh, until November 20th. So he spent, he said, a total of 87 days, went 20 straight days without showering because the cell had no running water. I I, I still don't understand why they wouldn't have got him out because it, it looked better if he was in jail and that way they could raise more money. That's according to Rinhouse. Um, okay. You know, Linwood is not a, I would say, a reputable character uh, from my perspective. And that was his his attorney? That were his previous attorneys before he went with his new team, which is Mark Richards. Oh, it is okay. And Lynn Woods, uh, that's Lynn Fald Woods. Scott, uh, no. Yeah, it should be Lynn Wood and a John Pierce. Let's see the characters. Rittenhouse former lawyer is dis- in dispute over who gets two million dollar bond money. Oh, geez. Oh my God, I got to read that actually. <laughs> oh, geez. I'm not a Trump lawyer. Linwood threatens to sue Rittenhouse lawyer for calling him an idiot. Oh, this <laughs> is just great shit. Oh my goodness. Um, so what happens now to Rittenhouse? What what happens to someone like this? Do we know? You know, is, can he get a I job were, at like Seven Eleven or? No, I mean, I I I I just know I know that he did his a one on one interview with Tucker tonight. Obviously, um, I guess Rittenhouse let. Um, Tucker Carlson's originals documentary team go embedded with him during this whole time. So I guess we're going to see a documentary on this. Um, I know we have a report at the Daily Caller that might have an interview with Rittenhouse coming up. But if I'm Rit, I mean, I could just, you know, if I'm Rittenhouse, I definitely take a break. I don't do any media. I don't do any social. I take the next six months to a year. Spend it with family, man. Like get your mental health right. Kind of get that in order. I don't think you, I, I mean, personally, I don't think you do a large media tour and do all that stuff. I just think you kind of need to get away from the world, 
let this news die down because you got half the country that you know wants to see you dead if i could be quite frank not even a little tinder uh everyone needs to do a little tinder you know <laughs> hey Ori, i'm curious to think what what do you what's your opinion on accountability for the news the corporate news media the way that they've framed everything the way that they've positioned themselves throughout this whole case is there going to be any repercussion on on their end um as far as maybe a lawsuit or uh legal action and uh, also how do you feel that that should be treated in the future so for my, um, I guess my opinion, that's a great question too. For my opinion, uh, well, here, let me start with this. Is is according to Rittenhouse, he get, when he gave his t- uh, interview with Tucker today, he said that him and his team are going to be working at defamation suits to go out, to go against, you know, CNN and stuff like that. So we'll see what happens there. Um, I feel like they got to get hit with suits like this. If you guys remember Nicholas Sandman, he got like 250 mil from CNN for, you know, for lying. That's with the true. Whole, um, I've heard that so many times. That's true. The Indian guy. Um, yeah, so I, I feel like that's the way you punish them. Um, now when it comes to the ratings that one, one thing that I guess is a positive is that mainstream media, their ratings are as low as they could ever be. And I think they're just continuing to lose that trust from folks at the end of the day, you're still going to have that, that audience where they tune into MSNBC and CNN because they just confirm their biases. It's almost like they also don't care about, real information but um i'm hoping with the defamation suit it does something hopefully those ratings keep going down and that's i think a way to hit them um but like i said you're still gonna have that population where they have to turn into cnn because it just confirms their own biases and they want to keep hearing the word white supremacists and stuff like that and i'm hoping that you know maybe us frontline reporters we could continue to put that pressure on them um because the, thing, the, the truth, too, is, you know, corporate media is so bad at their job that a guy like me who dropped out of community college is able to, you know, make a make a name for himself because they're so bad at what they're doing. So hopefully we continue to see that trend. And maybe with those ratings continue to crash, those advertisers leave and these guys go out of business. Yeah. Do you feel that's why they're becoming more and more divisive and more and more polarizing? Are they just clawing at every last straw of viewership that they could uh, maintain? Yeah, I think. I think they want to hang on to the divisiveness because without Trump, their ratings are just going to the floor. I mean, they love, um, you know, CNN, MSNBC. They don't want to admit it, but they love when Trump's in office because, you know, they get to, to kind of fear monger their, their audience. Their ratings are always at a level because they just, you know, Trump, 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 January. I mean, you can turn into tune into CNN. They're still talking about January 6th. They don't want to let January 6th go. Right. Um, so they Russian had to kind of cling on yeah. to, to, to Rittenhouse. So they're kind of. You know, they're motivated by this division. Um, they, you know, if, if they just hate white people, I don't know what it is. They just hate white, white people. And it wasn't even, you know, even even two weeks ago when Glenn Youngkin won the when the governor race in Virginia, they just kept ranting off that it was white supremacy that, that won that for him, though. So, um, yeah, I don't, you know, for me, it, it seems like that's the way they, they want to go. They kind of hang on to that. And, um, and, and the thing is, we're only like, what, two months away from or less than two months away from the one year anniversary of Gen Six. Oh my God! I, I mean, just just wait for all the all the you know all the feature films they're going to have on Gen Six. They're going to try to relive that moment and kind of hang on to that as much as they can. How about the headline on CNN's website the other day? Uh, the most dangerous thing in America is angry white men. <laughs> That's. I mean, imagine I mean, if it would have said the most dangerous thing in America was angry black men. 
Or the most dangerous thing in America is angry dogs. Or the most angry, dangerous thing in America is angry Jewish men. I mean, I mean, I just, I cannot believe we're living in this world. And the things that make CNN the worst is that they they project themselves, or they try to tell their audience that they are just the objective, down the middle news. It's like, stop it. At least just admit it and say, hey, we're super left leaning. This is just our biases. But they try to act like they are down the middle. We just do the facts type of news. And I think one thing that, that I mean, now that you kind of say that, that really worries me is look how okay it is to be openly racist against white people now. You can literally just put it in a headline and no one bats an eye. You know, their, their, their audience is totally okay with it. But just how, just how open the racism towards white people is truly fascinating. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's all okay now. Racism is okay as long as it is used properly. I mean, they, but they change the definition. If you say that to them, they'll say, um, well, well, black people can't be racist. And you say, why? And they say, because they don't have power. And you go, well, what about Obama, Oprah, LeBron, Don Lemon? They don't have power. Uh, oh, okay. My bad. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 truly, uh, it's truly fascinating to see these guys. I, I, I hope they, they, they're, they're crashing and they're burning because um, their ratings are abysmal right now. I think... Um, even Glenn Greenwald was making fun of Don Lemon that he was getting beat out by like Newsmax's Greg Kelly. I mean, this is just hilarious stuff. I mean, it was great how Rogan took it to CNN, wasn't oh, it? Oh, that was fat. Oh, I love. I'm ten that. times the media empire that you guys. I mean, that was just dope. That was no, no. I don't think this is true. I don't think it's reverse racism. It's just racism. Don't say it's reverse racism. racism. Yeah. It's just racism. Don't say that. I love you, Bruce. Don't say ra- reverse racism. It's just racism. It's like I just saw. Um, I just saw a Bloomberg said how to have dinner with an- uh, a Thanksgiving dinner with anti-vaxxers. It's there is no such thing. It's though. It's how to have dinner with pro pro vaxxers. There's no. There's so few anti-vaxxers because you don't want to take the vaccine doesn't make you anti-vaxxer because you guys are insisting people take the vaccine. You're the pro-vaxxer. You're the insist on vaccine. Leave the other people alone. Just leave the people alone who don't want to take the vaccine and it will be fine. Just leave them alone. Calling them anti-vaxxers. But see, that's what the that's that's what these guys do is they try to cling on to these things that could divide us, uh, uh, you know, us Americans anyway. Now they're trying to make it the the pandemic of the unvaccinated. Um, I love it when MSNBC Joy Reid is like, oh, those white Trump supporters don't want to be vaccinated. And the funny thing is when you look at the data, the least vaccinated are Latinos and blacks. <laughs> so there you go. I know. Isn't it crazy? I did see some statistic on that, like 70% of blacks aren't vaccinated. Black skinned people aren't vaccinated. And what's interesting is, is you know, two, two years ago it was uh, – I mean that. What a great story about systemic racism. Why? Why don't they just eat themselves alive for that? Basically, you could just say that's racist. That's why they're being so pro. I mean, the whole. If I wanted to keep people with melanated skin down, I would just run do what the left is doing. Oh my God, man! I love this one with the Yahoo News. I mean, look at that. I mean, look at the voice of the people. The pandemic of the unvaccinated is still killing them. I mean, look how they just drive the fear. It's. Oh my! It's it's lead by fear. Keep people in their houses. Um, now you got the, you have to get the booster. And six months from now, you'll get the other booster. Vaccinate your five year old. Don't talk to your grandma that voted Republican. I mean, this is amazing how they go with divide. They go with fear. Um, 
unbelievable. I mean, what? I think like less than 2% of Haiti is unvaxxed. They're not fucking dying by this plague. This is hilarious. Did CNN have any reporters on the ground in Kenosha? Nope. And if they do, look, did they have a report on the ground? Yes, but but what that means for CNN, and I've seen this with my own eyes. This is not like I, I it's a rumor. I see it with my own eyes. They literally show up for an hour in the or two in the middle of the day, do a quick little stand up, give a little little spill on the script, and then they're off to their five star hotel sipping cocktails all night. Um, so when they say report on the ground, I mean yeah, but they come out in the broad daylight for I guess an hour, read a script. Um, that a producer sent to the reporter. So the reporter himself is not even doing reporting. He's just getting sent a script and he's just a talking mouthpiece. Um, and that's it. I mean, it's, it's, I, it's fascinating to see it when you, when you're there in person, this posse of guys and gals that you are now, um, part of your colleagues that you know the guys who go to the border the guys who go to the capital the guys who go to kenosha the guys who are basically following just event after event after event it's a crew right like like you know you know 20 or 30 people who are on the circuit with you right i would say um by like eight or ten of us yeah okay um are none of those guys are are msnbc guys or cnn guys or or abc I mean, a couple of those guys, I mean, when you, why aren't you friends with, do do they not have them or you just don't, you don't know them or where are those guys? Um, I mean, I I mean, from my, from my reporting, I mean, none of those guys had any frontline riot reporters at all. I mean, that's what, I mean, that's essentially what created this void where a guy like me came in Shelby a Richie, you know, a BG on the scene because, it wasn't there at all. I mean, and then let me remind, I mean, when I was on the ground covering the rise, I was an unpaid intern at that time. So you, you're, you're telling me an unpaid intern could do a better job of telling the story than these guys earning six figures, um, living in Manhattan. And, you know, it, it, it it's incredible. But no, they didn't want to do the work. So you kind of had these kind of, um, they kind of nickname us. Um, I don't know if you want to check it, check this out, Matthew. Check out, if you want to Google this really quick. A riot squad, the intercept. I mean, the intercept literally did a hit piece on all the riot reporters. I mean, they did a hit piece because we were on the ground telling the story, which I, I found it fascinating because, like, you know, these guys at the intercept make six figures to do stories from their from um their Manhattan um you know condo while we're on the ground telling the, these stories. So um yeah, that that's what they labeled us is uh quotes the right there it is yep by the intercept it was a huge hit piece. Um, I mean, look at that. Look at the one here on May 14th. They, they, uh, they had to put the intercept stands by the reporting after everyone came after them. So um, it's it's hilarious stuff. It's it's these guys. Uh, yeah, these guys are uh, douchebags, to say the least. Oh, it's funny. That's exactly what I was thinking. What a bunch of douchebags. What a bunch of. Du- I mean, look at that. Meet the riot squad. Right wing reporters who've used viral videos to smear Black Lives Matter. It's like, <laughs> OK. How, why, why would, um, why is black lives matter? Um, why is black lives matter interested? Two things. Why is black lives matter interested in, I saw posters, black lives uh, matter posters where they were saying Rosenbaum is a hero. But for those of you who came in late, Rosenbaum is the one who, uh, molested, uh, five boys anally between the ages of nine and 11 and was released from jail the day of the riots, uh, because he tried committing suicide in jail and they couldn't hold him in there anymore. And he was the one yelling, shoot me nigger in, in, in the group 
according to the court documents, yep. fucked the police, flipped over a porta potty, and then grabbed uh, what's his name's gun, uh, um, Rittenhouse's gun. Why is BLM holding him up as a poster child? I do see the consistency of holding him and George Floyd up together, but a child molester? Why are they holding a child molester? Why is BLM holding a child molester up as a hero? You know, I, to be honest, I, I would I would actually say the majority of them don't even know about Rosenbaum's criminal history because these guys literally don't do any research. I mean, they literally just go off headlines and they go off what the corporations tell them to be mad at. That's what I love about. That's what the, the funniest thing about Black Lives Matter is. They're this. They try to look at it like, oh, we are against the system. We are raging against the machine. It's like, no, you are literally raging for the machine. You are the machine. It's. <laughs> You're doing what Amazon and Google and Facebook want you to do. It's crazy. It's fucking nuts. These people need help, brother. These people really need. I mean, I, 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 I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be nice here, but I, I don't know how to else explain it. It's like they, I, they need help. I don't know if they've gone their whole lives, you know, without having meaning for anything. And then when this movement came, they felt like it was their calling, and they felt like it, they were going to make a change. I mean, the thing is, when I interview these folks. One common thing that I found was a lot of these people are lost and they didn't have good parents. I mean, they feel like they have, I, like I said, for me personally, I feel like this movement when it came out last year, it finally felt like they could be part of a group. Uh, they could be finally part of a movement. Um, I, you I, can I be really part of the Crips, the Bloods, Antifa, Woke. Just, just pick your gang and you can, and, and they're your new friends and parents. No matter yeah, what I mean, believe. it's 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 embarrassing. I really do think th these people need help. Um, and I mean, they they like I said, they have been fooled by the corporations, and you know, they think that they're going against the system when that's not the case. They're literally raging for the for the machine, and they're actually on the side of the elites. I mean, they they think they're going against the elites. They're literally walking hand in hand with the Jeff Bezos of the world. It's like a zombie movie. Yeah, especially I, in places like Portland or Seattle. I think the algorithm also plays a role in this too, and that's at the hands of these corporations that we were talking about. Because what happens, especially if these uh, social media influencers are making certain content that these corporations agree with, it gets more mm -hmm. populated, and then therefore you get more attention, and then it kind of affirms, um, you know, the same stuff you're putting out there, and you get this cyclatory cycle of, and then once that gets big enough, you have people that don't want to go against that because then they don't want to be seen as the outcast. And I agree with the first thing you said, which is most people just don't look into it. I, I, I would say that majority of the people that I've talked to don't really understand the details of the case, don't really understand the full background of the case, and are just taking everything at face value, reading no more than those headlines that we were showing before. And, and let, me, let me add this too, is that the corporations themselves figured out this amazing kind of scheme. Um, so the, let's say, let's say we were in the nineties or the eighties, those liberals would be raging at an Amazon, at a Silicon Valley, at a Facebook saying, we need to break these guys up. They have no worker rights, uh, too much, uh, control when it comes to privacy, right? Fast forward to now, Amazon and Jeff Bezos figured, figured this scheme out. And this is, this is a scheme. It's literally this simple. They said, Hey guys, instead of us actually treating our workers with living wages and making sure that they could provide wealth for their families. All we have to do now is play the social justice role, meaning all Amazon has to do is put out one little commercial saying we support Black Lives Matter. And, and then all of, a sudden, all of a sudden, those progressives, they don't even are, are, they're not going to hold you accountable for worker rights no more. Just because you said that they're going to jump on, on your train. So think about this. Uh, Amazon comes out and says Black Lives Matter while their own black employees at Amazon have to sleep in their cars, have to wake, have to work 12 hour shifts with no benefits. And. 
no one's fighting for them because the side that was supposed to fight for the workers are now just happy because they said the slogan. I love it when Chase Bank came out last year and was like, oh, Chase Bank supports Black Lives Matter. It's like, but you approve bank loans for your own black customers. Like, get out of here with that. Theater. Theater and symbolism. That's all it is. So the corporations figured it out. They said, hey, the liberals, do not they don't even hold us accountable anymore. We All we have to do is play the social justice and maybe throw, you know, maybe wave a pride flag. And we don't even have to pay the workers $15 for minimum wage anymore. It's, it's hey, on their end, it's brilliant. I mean, they, they, they were able to, they, they fooled this progressive movement. Are you optimistic, Jorge? No. No. Um, no, I don't want to say that. Um. I'm I'm 50-50. I think the thing that does give me hope, and maybe just because I see it from my own social media, is I do get those messages every day where people are like, if it wasn't for your videos, I wouldn't have woken up. Um, I'm glad that you're out there. The frontline stuff is out there. I do have hope that um, you do have this kind of rise of new media that is going against these guys. And what I do love is at the end of the day, video doesn't lie. So, you know, we're beating out the corporate press. I think they're... Um, but at the end of the day, it's such an uphill battle because these guys have control over the institutions, the education. Um, I mean, no, like, I, like I said, like if you literally turn on, I, I was, you know, yesterday I just turned on ESPN for a quick moment to watch the, you know, Lakers versus Celtics. And I had to hear, you know, during the whole pregame, instead of hearing about the stats and the injury report, I got to hear a whole 30 minute uh, fucking rant on how Rosenbaum and Huber and Grosskreutz were like the heroes. Um, which is is hilarious. Even um, Jay, uh, Jay, uh, Jalen Rose, who's an ex basketball player, went on national TV and told millions of people that Jacob Blake died, which is not true. Uh, Jacob Blake's still alive. Um, so it's an uphill battle. Um, but I do think it takes even even with your podcast, it takes things like this to go against the grain, to go against the system. And um, I am glad that there are American American folks out there that that are looking for the truth. Um, so that does give me hope, and I guess that's what keeps me a uh, a happy warrior in this fight, if that makes sense. Um, we have people like Bill Maher who are waking up. We have people like uh, 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 I was going to say Seth Rogan. What's his name? Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. It seems like Joe Rogan's waking up. Uh, you know, I obviously watch a lot of UFC, and the UFC is. Um, you know, Dana's like, fuck, we're not testing our athletes. It is nice to see some people, uh, especially people like Joe Rogan and um, and Bill Maurer, who who have towed the, the liberal line uh, waking up. So that does give me uh, that does give me hope. It, it's, it's just it's just it's just bizarre to me. I, if I if I could just know how they think and how they thought that. I, I would try to unfuck them, but you know what I mean? Like, Hey, like, um, but I mean, people know sugar kills and, and people still eat sugar. It's like they know. And so I, I, I don't know. I'm at a loss, but I guess we just keep pounding the drum. By the way, uh, last time I had Jorge Ventura on, we talked about a documentary he made. Is this website still the website for it? Yes, sir. Carteldoc.com. Yep. Okay, Matt, will you pull pull that up real quick? Someone was said in the comments on YouTube that um, they went there and 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 that was a dead website. Is that a dead website, Matt? No, it should be. It should be. I mean, I was I was literally on it today. Can you share the screen, Maddie? Okay, cool. 
Uh, guys, if you haven't seen this documentary, it's a great documentary. Uh, I think it's, uh, is it also on Vimeo? Yeah, well, the Vimeo was just for you, brother. Oh, okay, right, right. Sorry, <laughs> sorry. But uh, yeah, Not on Vimeo. The website, you get the trailer, you get the doc. Um, you know, it costs $2.99, just literally three bucks. And that three bucks literally goes back into our reporting because we're going to actually um, be working on other investigations related to cartel um, activities. So please support. This is the frontline journalism. You know, we're not backed by millions of dollars. Uh, this message is not provided to you by Pfizer. So help us out um, any way that, that that you can. Your podcast, brother, has been a tremendous help because I get so many messages that they say, hey, never heard of you. Uh, until uh, until they, they heard me on your podcast and the feedback I've been getting from your audience has been absolutely amazing. Cool. That makes me happy. Yeah, these guys are wild. The, the, it's it's a big group of people who just really believe in accountability. Um, Jorge, you said, uh, before I let you go here, you said that you uh, possibly one of the next stories you were going to be working on was uh, school boards. What's going on in school boards across the country? Is that still something that you might be doing? Yes, so we're actually we're we're in the um, kind of in the middle of filming it. So giving everyone a quick breakdown, we're gonna do we're doing a mini uh, documentary on what's going on in Loudoun County in Virginia for those for you know kind of that war with parents and the school boards um, and critical race theory. Um, just to give everyone a reminder, it was in Loudoun County where a female student, fourteen year old, was sexually assaulted by a boy who was saying that he was a girl. That whole transgender, they, the school board tried to cover up. It got, it got revealed in an investigation by Daily Wire. So we're going to do a mini doc on that, which is it's going to be absolutely fascinating. I've been I think the biggest thing that shocked me was when I'm speaking to the parents and actually receiving the documents is the amount of over sexualized content in this kid's education is insane to me. I mean, it's one thing when you hear it, but when you see it, it's a game changer. So we're going to include those documents in there. Um, we, we also going to be working on a fentanyl piece pretty soon, how fentanyl on the border. Pay attention to that. And actually, um, I actually might come see you, brother, because uh, we just got a tip from a DEA, DEA agent to come up to North Cal and to uh, to Shasta County and do an investigation on the on the cartel uh, groups out there. So according to the DEA agent I spoke to, um, so to give everyone some context, um, in the county that I am, Los Angeles, they have five over 500 illegal grows, which is an insane amount. And you're going to see the full investigation in our documentary. It's great stuff, right? Um, so we have over 500 in Shasta County. They have over 7,000. Um, I believe so it. Do, I believe it. Yeah. So we're going to do an investigation. So I actually, um, I might be in North Cal um, in next month and we'll cool. be running a new investigation. So please guys help us out. Watch the documentary, watch the trailer. If, if for those who follow me on Instagram, if you click the link in my bio, um, you could donate, you know, PayPal, Venmo, uh, you know, you could do a Patreon, you know, three bucks a month really helps out. goes a long way and helping our frontline coverage and getting back out there. Jorge Ventura, is this your third time on the show? Yes, mm -hmm. and it's been, it's been a blast every single time. Dude, awesome. Thank you yeah. for doing that. Uh, yeah, I love making new friends. Um, thank you for all the work you're doing, excited. Jorge. Yeah, just thank you hey, for yeah. you and all those frontline workers. It's it's incredible, and uh, you know, keep it up. <laughs> keep it up reporting. Keep, keep bringing the real news, and keep showing that videotape, brother. Come to Texas and see what you find, Jorge. <laughs> All right, guys. Have a good night. Uh, tomorrow at 7 a.m., we will have the great Sarah Sigmund's daughter. Uh, 
It's going to be myself, Matt Souza, Brian Friend. 7 a.m. is the plan. She is in Dubai now. It will be 7 p.m. for her, and I'm really excited about the show. It's been it's been difficult getting her on the podcast. 